Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The meme of Cookie Monster drumming his fingers on the counter is where my mind had gone these last few days. Not because I'm craving chips ahoy, but just casually wondering when the Mets are going to start to hit again. Certainly Mets ownership has wondered aloud as well of late. And hey, nobody gets to be a billionaire by being Mr. Rogers. Steve Cohen tweeted out wanting to know where the bats have gone and when they might come back. Well, the answer, the top of the 12th Wednesday at 7.33 p.m. Eastern Time. Kevin Pillar, the man Giants fans used to call Superman when he played in San Francisco, he put the S on his chest as a Met and put his new team back in the win column and back in the race. C is indeed for cookie. Let's eat. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing While coffee is brewing now Here's Josh Lewin Scootily down Yes, sir. The Mets looked like they were going to lose one nothing. They were two outs away from that and a six-game losing streak. Instead, Kevin Pillar saves a day, and who knows, maybe the, the whole darn season, too. Josh Lewin with you. Full disclosure, full transparency always in this podcast. I pulled a Tony Bennett. I left my mic in San Francisco. Not my heart, got that. Remember to pack my pants, packed everything I need to get from San Francisco to LA and eventually back home to San Diego. But a classic rookie mistake. I forgot to check my hotel room that one last time to make sure I hadn't forgotten anything. The pocket comb, the half a roll of Mentos, left those as well if you're scoring at home. But the big loss is the microphone. So when you say to yourself these next 19 or so minutes, hmm, what an amateurish sound from Lewin on the podcast today. It's because I'm using my built-in laptop mic instead of the snazzy, expensive thing that the hotel cleaning staff now owns. If you hear a podcast starting tomorrow called something like Housekeeping, uh, you'll know that I was the Tyler Perry of that operation, unwittingly. Didn't star in it, but fronted it and supported it. Uh, Not only no microphone today and tomorrow, but uh, for the Mets, as importantly, still no Lindor, no Baez, no DeGrom. We'll get to that. And you have these 13 straight against the Dodgers and Giants. You're trying to hold back the ocean with a spatula. They did get the huge win Wednesday, though. They tamed Poseidon. And before we celebrate... I think we should do a little bit just to make sure we're all on the same page about what a tough thing this really is right now. Bear with me pretty please. You know there have been a ton of injuries to star players. I know you got that. And the guys that did well last year have not done well this year. Nobody wants to hear about viruses this decade. I get that. 
completely. But that's what we're looking at. It's a hitting virus that's kind of made its way through the clubhouse in 2021. Chances are decent. Same guys affected this year will bounce back next year. Bill Murray was in Stripes and Ghostbusters, then he was in Garfield. But then he came back with 10 good ones. That, that's the fact, Jack. So that's one piece. And the owner tweeted about it yesterday, making some waves in the process. He, he's a fan. He's frustrated like we all are or were. There's a hitting corollary we need to discuss, too. It's called the ripple effect. And I'm going to dive into that right here. When a Lindor, I mean the good version of Lindor, is in the lineup, he gets pitched to carefully. The guy behind him gets pitches to hit because you don't want to walk that hitter and give Lindor a chance to drive in a run. If and when Lindor gets on base, he's a threat to run, so the pitcher becomes distracted. We'll throw fastballs, not breaking a step to deter him from running, and that's a plus for the guy after Lindor. So if you have Lindor, three of the nine spots in the batting order are positively affected. Lindor himself, the guy in front of him, and the guy behind him. When there's no Lindor, a third of your lineup no longer gets that bump. That's the ripple effect. No Lindor means 33% of your lineup is in worse position to succeed. Now, another piece I think we need to discuss, and it's so easy and so right in front of our noses, we blow right past it sometime. Yeah, we, we blow our noses. I'm going to introduce an element that really should not make you clutch your pearls or faint, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it. You ready? <clears throat> the Mets are playing teams that are better at baseball than the Mets are right now. Let me repeat that. The Dodgers players in current construct are better than the Mets players, and most of them are having good years. The Giants, they've got around 80 wins. The Mets have 60. The Giants this year have been better than the Mets. Not always, not forever, but this year, they just are. So if you play the Dodgers and Giants 13 games in a row, in how many will you be the Vegas favorite to win? Might be zero, depending on a favorable pitching matchup, maybe two. So if the Mets go 2-11 and 11 in this 13-game nightmare stretch against those two teams, that's not that weird. That's not frustrating. That's not disappointing. That's normal. If the Jets played the Chiefs and Bills 13 times in a row this year, would they not probably go 2-11? and 11? The Chiefs and Bills are better than the Jets. Not always. Not in 2009 when the Jets came to play my San Diego Chargers in the playoffs and stuck it up their butts. But here in 2021, the Mets are without DeGrom right now. They don't have Syndergaard. Carrasco's ERA is 10. Lindor and Baez aren't playing. This is not an unexpected plot twist. When those guys get back, the Mets might be as good, if not better, than the teams we're talking about. But right now, well, they'd gone 5-14 and 14 over the last 20 days. They'd lost nine and a half games in the standings. Back when the Phillies and Braves were mediocre, too, that's when the Mets had a 75% chance of making the playoffs, we were told. When the Mets became the lone mediocre in the division, their chances dropped to 10%. Remember, no waiver trades in August this year. So nothing like how the Astros obtained Verlander in 17 and how the Indians uh, did the deal for Josh Donaldson in 18. This is the group we'll ride and die with. There are no Knights in White Satin. There are no Knights in Josh Satin. Chris Bryant would have been nice. I get it. He's got a 950 OPS his first 15 games with the Giants. But the Cubs didn't want the minor league players the Mets could offer. The Cubs liked what San Francisco was offering better. You can put on your best suit, spray on your best cologne, stand there at the dance like you're Don freaking Draper, and sometimes the girl just chooses the guy with the better hair and the better jawline. So I'll close this rant 
with a couple things that, that I thought would be working out better. And then I will get to good news because it's so nice to finally have good news. The Mets starters, five and a half ERA since the All-Star break with three wins, three wins from the starters in 32 games. Some of that is the Mets usually scoring three runs in a game, but some of it is the starters going uh two, three, or four innings sometimes and getting lit up like Rockefeller Center in December. And one more. I know everybody wants to talk about free agent signings that didn't work out quite right. James McCann not having a good year, I know. JT Real Muto is. Uh, Real Muto, 1,009 OPS during the Phillies' awesome month of August. McCann, with back spasms right now, his OPS this month is 443. But I do want to mention two signings who have overperformed. Under-the-radar ads at the time, Loop and VR. Money very well spent despite the getting picked off once a month adventure for VR. I think Jose Peraza makes that list as well. Steak for the price of chicken with those three guys. Full marks. And one other nice thing I want you to think about before we get into the game, even though the farm system as a whole isn't rolling out prospects like a waterfall, there is better than a trickle on its way. The Mets have four top 100 prospects. We'll get into that a little bit later in a different podcast. There's too much other stuff going on right now. Uh, But the state of the state, as the Simpsons' Troy McClure said about the apes one time, uh, from Chimpan A to Chimpan Z, uh, there are some things that get you to believe that things might be getting better. And certainly Wednesday afternoon into the evening, that was one of those hallmark moments. So let's tell you exactly what happened Wednesday afternoon in San Francisco. First, another roster move. It's like putting that first Pop-Tart in the toaster every morning. Wake up, stretch, go to the bathroom, put in a Pop-Tart, make a roster move. Let's welcome Chance Sisko in San Francisco. How beautiful is that? Backup catcher, former Oriole, needed on the scene because Tomas Nito's on the IL. Mentioned McCann is having back spasms. So you're telling me there's a chance. I am. He'll be your 61st Met of the season. And yes, you're about to go play the Dodgers for four. Your two Mets catchers are going to be Chance Sisko and Pat Mazika. Spoiler alert, they would both come through Wednesday afternoon. In this game, late afternoon game at Oracle Park, the Mets got a break when Giants starter Anthony DiSclefani re-injured himself just four outs into the game, hurt his ankle. So we knew the Mets would have a full seven and a third innings at least to go to work against people without 11 wins this year. Although we should point out the Giants' bullpen has been historically good. Lowest ERA from a Giants' bullpen since 1903. But the Giants struck first against a giant of sorts. The 6'7", Tylor McGill gave up an RBI knock to Lamont Wade Jr. McGill so impressive, though. Afterthought for 21 at best. Just got better and better at the alternate site last year, making it kind of his own personal laboratory. And he emerged from out of anonymity to become the Mets' best option not named DeGrom or Stroman. Is it fair at all that through 11 big league starts, the dude has one win? His ERA is 3.4. Well, on we went in this game, and the Giants' bullpen sparkled. Fifteen of the first 17 Mets they faced were retired. Five of those on one pitch at bats. VR in the top of the seventh, two-out single, but Mazika popped out, leaving Travis Blankenhorn on deck. Did that last sentence sound like the makings of a rally, by the way? You need Mazika to come through so you can get it to Blankenhorn. Well... Still one nothing into the ninth. Alonzo gets on to lead off against closer Jake McGee. Gets hit on a 1-2 pitch, got it on the elbow guard. He's going to be okay. Only the second hit batsman for McGee all year, but the third met to get plunked in this game. 
They had three hits achieved and three hits absorbed at that point. Conforto, one for 11 in the series at that point. Base it up the middle, sending Alonzo to third. Table set, here we go. J.D. Davis, nobody out. Fly ball to right. Deep enough, sack fly RBI, and finally the Mets get that run that ownership was calling for. It is one to one. Dom Smith, so good lefty on lefty this year. Nine pitch at bat, looks like he's rolled one up the middle in a center. But Brandon Crawford, a diving stop to get the fielder's choice. Mm. And had Conforto been running on that full count pitch, would have been two on one out. Instead, strike that reverse at one on two out. VR, better as a righty than a lefty. Bats right-handed, but he strikes out. Mets settle for the tie. Bottom of the ninth, Edwin Diaz trying to nudge the needle towards the tenth. Two pitches, two pop-ups, and then a strikeout. Beautiful. Bonus baseball begins. Gabe Kapler channels his inner Sherlock Holmes and says, Watson, come here. Gets Tony Watson into the game as the eighth Giants pitcher. VR the ghost runner. Best pure speed on the team, but Mazika trying to bunt him over. Bunts too hard back to Watson, who throws out VR at third. The former Giant Kevin Pillar then sends one to the wall in left, but Lamont Wade goes all Dwayne Wade. He skies for what looked like a defensive rebound. Two out, up to Nimmo, who goes the other way for his second hit of the day. Gets it to Jeff McNeil. Come on, big boy. First pitch outs. Each of his previous three at-bats, one for his last 21 overall. It's lefty versus lefty. He hits it hard, but he bounces out to second. Bottom of the 10th, round two for Diaz. You start with the runner at second. And a Buster Posey fly ball. The right moves that runner to third. Austin Slater. Sounds like a fraternity rush chairman. He gets hit by a pitch, and up comes pinch hitter Evan Longoria. 1,100 career RBIs. He pops up, but only after Slater steals second. Second and third for Lamont Wade Jr., who had the Giants' first RBI three hours prior. He pops up. Nice job for Diaz. We are on to the 11th. Now Tyler Chatwood, the ninth Giants pitcher, and the Mets got him. Ghost Runner advances on a Blankenhorn grounder. Conforto? Oh, yes. Michael Conforto coming through. Big RBI knock for one of the true nice guys of the game having such a rough year, I know. The Mets have been four for their last 46 with runners in scoring position before a statement at bat from Conforto. Mets take a 2-1 lead, but bottom of the 11th. Familia trying to save it. He did not. Uh, Ghost Runner scores on a Tommy LaStella base hit. It becomes a two-on-two-out chance for Carl Yastrzemski's grandson, but Familia strikes him out. So we go to the 12th inning. Looks like the Ghost Runner scores for the Mets on an opposite field double by VR, but upon further review, foul by an inch, and you're thinking the Mets are cursed because VR then goes on to strike out. But Pat Mazika, an infield hit on a seven-pitch at bat. Runners at the corners, one out, and here comes Superman. Here comes Kevin Pillar. 1-0 pitch. That's driven deep to left field. Going back his way, this time looking up, it's gone! A three-run homer for Kevin Pillar. Ed Coleman on WCBS with the call. Number 10 for Pillar, 5-2 New York. But wait, there's more. McNeil a base hit and a chance for Cisco. Newest Met, Chance Cisco, who was hitting 154 for Baltimore. Two extra base hits all year there. First pitch he sees as a Met. RBI double, 6-2. to two. A four-run inning when they needed it the most? You bet. And after Jake Reed closed it out, yes, Jake Reed, the Mets back to 500. 60 up, 60 down. Six runs scored for just the second time in the last 30 days. And after it was over... 
a former very late round draft pick and hero, Kevin Pillar, met the media. I've been playing our best baseball. We were in a, you know, much need of a win. Um, you know, that one and, you know, Conforto's in the ninth, uh, you know, off a you know, pretty legit closer left on left, uh, you know, able to get the guy over to third base, get himself on, allowed the next guy to just put the ball in play and score a run. That was a, a huge at bat, but, um, you know, much, much needed hit at a big time. Um, and, uh, boys are excited. You know, I think we got a little bit of momentum. I think we got the monkey off our back a little bit. Um, you know, things just haven't been going well. Guys are, you know, in good spirits and guys are, you know, working hard. It's just, uh, baseball is a challenging game. You know, we, we maybe over met some expectations early on the year, you know, with the amount of injuries we had. And I think the expectations were really high with everyone coming back and, you know, uh, you know, we're still not even at full strength. We got guys, uh, you know, playing, you know, through some stuff and, and, and guys are competing and baseball is a difficult game. It's a good team over here. Dodgers are a good team. Uh, they got legit pitching. Um, it's not always going to be a slugfest. Sometimes you got to just find ways to, to manufacture runs and, and we're working hard at that. Biggest win of the last four weeks, maybe of the year. It happened with Alonzo out nursing that sore tricep elbow area. It happened when they were that close to being on a six game losing streak keyed by Kevin Pillar and Chance Sisko and Jake Reed, just like we all thought. And that's it for the city of San Francisco this year. No more crazy crab sandwiches. Love that stuff. Love the Gilroy garlic fries, the signature dish and scent of that place. The fries are made with fresh garlic and parsley, and they're prepared in non-trans fat oil. Damn smelly, but damn good. I got the edible garden, too which is a very San Francisco-y kind of thing. Seasonally-influenced flatbreads, pastas, greens, smoothies, and soup using the, and I'm reading this now, the best of what emerges from its regular and hydroponic growing area. So not exactly nachos in a batting helmet. Most of you know the Mets have done a really great job these last several years with the edible options at City Field. I became hooked on those Arancini rice balls a few years back. I would wolf down four of them before a game sometimes and save two for the seventh inning stretch. But now, good Lord, New York deli pastrami sandwiches, the Waffles desserts, Nathan's hot dogs and Shake Shack, the Pat Lafrida steak sandwich. We got our standbys too, you know, and everyone can eat everything starting again next week. The Giants will be at City Field starting Tuesday night. By the way, Tuesday's podcast will feature an extended interview with smiling Brandon Nimmo, who will offer dental hygiene tips, among other things. But before the Mets get back home and all of that, uh, to Brandon Nimmo and Good Eats, next up, it's Dodger Dogs. That's always the big food item when you play in L.A. And personally, I prefer a Fenway Frank to a Dodger dog. These are boiled hot dogs. They're very long, very thin, just a little butter on the bun. So they're good, not great, in my humble opinion. Actually, nothing beats those Usinger sausages in Milwaukee, but I digress. Uh, The Dodgers, of course, just took all three from the Mets back in Flushing. Flushing being something you find yourself doing after all the bratwurst that you eat in Milwaukee. Uh, the Mets were in position to win those first two games with L.A., then in no position to win the last one. They were down 6 nothing early, ended up using Brandon Drury and Kevin Pillar as pitchers at the end. Pitching matchups for the L.A. series. Taiwan Walker against our old friend TBA 
in the one on Thursday night, tonight. Then Friday, Carlos Carrasco against uh, Walker Bueller. He could be the next Dodgers Cy Young Award winner. Saturday, Rich Hill against Max Scherzer, that guy. He's won multiple Cy Youngs, and he just started the All-Star game. Sunday is going to be fun. Marcus Stroman against David Price, two really good friends from their days in Toronto. There will be yapping. There will be chattering. They will be head-to-head at 4.10 Eastern time on Sunday. Price, a World Series winner at the Dodgers' expense, and he's a Cy Young winner once himself. Come on. It's just one great pitcher after another. But the Mets will go there with a little hitch in their giddy-up with that 6-2, 12-inning win on Wednesday. I hear the music. That means we gots to go. Many thanks for listening. Thanks to the popular, hard-working Mets in the Morning House Band on keyboards. It's Bobby Parnell. Slapping to bass is Ryan Church. The horn section, it's David Weathers. And on drums, ladies and gentlemen, some of you have been waiting for him for a good long time. He's here. It's Turk Wendell. As for me... I'm Troy McClure. Once again, your final from Oracle Park on Wednesday in 12. Thank goodness. Met 6, San Francisco 2. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.